Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So, a couple weeks ago, I was I was uh, having a conversation with a lady about horses, which seems to be a recurring nightmare in my life, and, and uh, having a conversation with her and and. She was having some problems with her horses, and and uh, and and so was was telling me that that uh, you know her horses just wouldn't respect her and wouldn't listen to her and wouldn't do this and wouldn't do that. And I said, well, uh, you know what what do you do to correct her? What do you do to correct your mare? And she says, well, I don't believe in punishment. I believe in reward-based training. I said, okay, that's a good that's a that's a great philosophy. I said, but. What happens when the the mayor does something that that you don't like? Bless you. And she said, "Well, I just ignore that." And she says, "I just wait till she does something I like, and then I reward her." I said, "So you ignore all the all the negative stuff?" She said, "Yep, yep. I won't punish my horse." I said, "Okay. Um, how's that working for you?" <laughs> and not very well, not very well at all. And so I said, "I said uh, I don't believe in punishing either." I said, "Punishing is usually the last resort. That means you've." That means you've missed your opportunities to correct. And I said, correct is a different word than punishment. Correct means uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna help that horse um, in a timely fashion when they when when the issue is occurring. Punishment is what happens when you've missed your opportunity to correct, and now and now you you know you it's gotten so far that we have to punish the horse. And so. Uh, I had to explain the difference between correction, and, and the Bible has a lot to say about correction. And, and correction is something that isn't done out of anger. It's not done out of. Uh, it's not done way after the fact. It's done in real time, and it's done through love. And when you when you have a horse that that um, you're the leader, you're supposed to be the leader, and and they they do something that isn't working for for you, you have to correct them. And but we don't do it out of anger. We do it out of uh, I always feel like I should I should be helping the horse. I should be doing it in a in a manner that's helpful, in in it with that kind of attitude, and with so that um, we can nip whatever that behavior is in the bud and get it fixed right off the bat, and then then we can move on. And I was talking with Heidi yesterday. We were riding, and I said it 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 requires forgiveness. You got to forget. You you say, okay, horse, I corrected you. Now it's done. It's forgiveness. We're done with that. Now we move on. And I may have to correct them again in five seconds, but that's okay. We just do that, and then we move on. And that way, uh, we avoid having to punish the horse down the road. We can we can just uh, use small corrections if if possible, and and uh, makes the horse a whole lot nicer to be around and a whole lot happier, and more willing to work for you. And um, so so I explained that to the lady, and she said, "Well, how come I see you being firm with your horses?" I said. Um, I said I'm not always firm with my horses. My my goal is to not have to be firm with my horses. I always every single time I correct, I start out soft, and I offer them something that that is nice and quiet and soft and easy, and then it's the horse's choice whether they get to to take that uh, offer or not. If they decide they don't want to take the offer of a soft, nice, easy correction, then I gotta escalate just a little bit and offer that. And then if they don't take that suggestion, we got to escalate a little more. And and uh, she said, well, how much firmness do you use? And I said, you use as much as you have to. No more, no less. You 
you you have to make the correction and, and, and the horse has to understand it. And so you escalate until until the horse understands it and then it's over again. So I was reading my Bible and I was I was thinking because I don't know about you guys, but I've been getting some corrections in my life from from the big man. And I want to see a show of hands on who's who's been getting corrected a little bit in their life. Yeah, everybody has. Um, and so it a lot of it, it, it I, I wanted to see what what the Bible had to say about correction. And, and it's funny because it's exactly the same thing. It was the exact same conversation I had with that lady. Uh, that's how God corrects us. It says right here, my child, it's, this is Proverbs 3, it says 311. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as the father corrects a child in whom he delights. <coughs> so all of you that raise your hand, God loves you because he's, he sees he sees just like that horse. He sees you going down a path of destruction or a path that, that isn't going to work in this world. And, uh, and he offers a correction. And usually it's a subtle one to begin with. It's a, it's a, maybe it's a word up here by Kevin. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a whisper from the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's just a, a small little wreck in your life that, that wakes you up to something. And then we all have the opportunity at that point to, to decide to change. And if you're like me, you don't take that opportunity. You, I'm type A, so I'm never wrong, and so, so I'm like, nah, that, that's just, that's just some random thing that happened. I really don't have to change. Well, next thing you know, God firms up just a little bit, and He'll, He'll offer another correction, and if we, if we wise up, eventually we, we start figuring this process out, and, and, uh, because we know a big correction is going to eventually come, and it's, and it's going to come. Uh, the world might just put us in a situation where, where. Uh, you know, the big wreck's going to happen. So, um, but I, I really like the part about those where, where he, it says, uh, the, the Lord corrects those he loves. I, I like the movie Evan Almighty where, where God tells Evan he's, he's doing this for him because he loves him so much. And, and Evan's response is, could you just love me a little less? Okay. <laughs> that's sometimes the way, that's sometimes the way I feel. I'm like, God, just love me a little less because, because you're really, you're really pushing me in, into being the kind of man that you want me to be. And I'm kind of dug in a lot of times. I don't really want to do that. And so um, it's a blessing, and we need to start looking at it as a blessing rather than as a, as a, a bad thing. Um, part, of, part of our, our uh, job in this ministry and, and as fellowship and as fellow Christians is, is to take that upon ourselves to correct each other. And that that gets into a little sticky situation. Um, in in Psalm 141, uh, David says, "This is this is verse five. David says, "Let the godly strike me; it will be a kindness. If they correct me, it is a soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it." So he's saying, correction from our fellow Christians is a kindness. It's not a it's not a uh, criticism. It's a kindness. And and he says, "It's soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it." So uh, you know, we, <laughs> I don't like it when Kevin corrects me because I'm type A and I know everything. What does he know? He's from Texas, okay? but, but he's had to because, and at first I wasn't used to that, um, because, uh, you know, I, I just thought he was being critical and I've grown up with criticism my whole life and I, I, I shut down and I rebel against that, but it took me a while to realize it was out of kindness because he sees me going in a, in a, direction that isn't going to work 
And so realizing that someone cares enough about you to see that you got a problem, uh, to see that you're going down the wrong path, and would actually take the time to step in and say, hey, I see this, and, and I want to help correct you. That is, that is a great act of love. It's not a criticism. It's really important here when it says, let the godly strike me. Okay? I'm not talking about criticism from, from people who aren't trying to improve themselves, who God isn't working through. Uh, you can ignore that. Don't worry about that. I'm talking about your, your, your family, your friends, the people who, who love you, the people who are here every day trying to make themselves better, who are letting God work through them. Uh, let them correct you. And, and maybe you'll have to correct someone else. I had to do it last night. Uh, to a fellow that I love, and it, you know, um, because I could see it, a path of destruction happening, and, and I don't like it, because uh, I know I've been down the same path, and it, it, uh, it's scary, and, and I don't want to see my Christian brother go down that path, so uh, I remember my first, my first time, I wrote a Joe Walter, Joe Walter's a, a clinician that, that I know and respect a lot, and, and uh, he came to Montana for the first time, and in the 80s to do a, a ranch roping clinic. Nobody had ever heard about a ranch roping clinic. They just, we just roped them, right? Usually kind of ugly and fast. And, and Joe came up there to kind of help us learn a little different way. And he, he, showed, he showed us some, some shots that you could rope a cow from further away where you didn't have to run her and, you, and where you could kind of sneak in there and, and lay these loops on these cattle. And, and they looked fancy and they looked cool. And so I learned this backhand heel shot. And at the last day of the clinic, we all of us had an opportunity to go to a branding and Joe took us to the branding and we started dragging calves and and uh, I remember riding into that pen and went in there and laid that backhand heel shot in and picked up two hind feet went to the horn rode rode to the fire and I'm like I'm gonna get as close to the fire as I can so that ground crew doesn't have to, to do any work and I mean I was my chest was puffed up so much and I thought man they're gonna start singing songs of praise about Ty on the way I'm handling this stuff. And I ride up there and get stopped, and Joe says, what are you doing? I said, I'm branding calves, man. And I'm, I'm just, you know, living the dream here, just doing everything you taught me. And he says, you do not ever, ever, ever drag a calf up behind another guy's horse like that while, while I'm around. I'm like, oh. But he didn't do that in front of everybody. He didn't scream at me. He didn't, he didn't belittle me. He, he, he did it in a fashion that he corrected me through love because he could see how dangerous that was going to be for me and for the other people. And I remember that 25 years later. Uh, as at, at first, I was offended. I'm like, really? I'm, like, I'm the only one catching calves here, and I'm doing all the work, and you're going to yell at me? But he did it through love because he, he could see the potential in me, and he, and he could see that I was uh, going to go someplace if, if, if I would just listen. And I took that correction, and I've never done that again in my life. Uh, I've done lots of other stupid things, but not that. Um, and so I remember that, and a lot of good cowboys have, have helped me in the same way, by, by correcting those things as they were happening um, in a way that, that would build, build you up, not tear you down. It would, it would, it would help you in a way that um, you would accept that correction. And, you know, if we, if we can't accept it, uh, we're never going to move on, we're never going to grow, we're never going to build um, and everybody, it happens to everybody. I, I was reading in, in Bible study in here, and in Galatians, um, Paul had to, had to correct Peter. And Peter's an apostle. He was with Jesus. 
and and even he uh, couldn't do it right. And Paul had to step in and and confront him. And he said, I, he said, I'm I'm going to do this to your face because I love you as a brother. I'm going to correct you to your face. I'm not going to do it through a text. I'm not going to do it behind your back. I'm not going to do it uh, by screaming in front of other people. I'm going to just go to you as a man and and correct you. And Peter accepted his correction and. Life went on, and it was great for them. So um, if you feel God correcting you in your life this week, um, try to remember that it's, it's because he loves you, and he loves you as a child, and he, and he wants you to be better. And we may have an opportunity to help each other too. So uh, um, I'm really trying to work on being able to accept correction from, from godly people and uh, knowing that it's a kindness, knowing that it's something that's going to help. And, and it's not a criticism. If if no one, if you don't, if no one in your life is trying to help, is is if no one is trying to correct you in your life, that means no one cares. And so, um, hopefully, we can build each other up that way. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this week and all the loving corrections you've given me. Um, just really happy that I can try to learn to accept that and and know that it's you you loving me, Lord. And know know that when my Christian brothers and sisters do that, that that they're just trying to help, and, and it's through love and, and uh, trying to make me a better man and better in a, in a more godly man. I ask that, that you be with all these people today that showed up and, and continue to show up and can you continue to open their eyes and their ears to, to your word, Lord, and continue to grow. We're, we're, we just see tremendous growth in this ministry and, and just so blessed to, to be a part of it and, and to see that and, and to experience that. As, as always, I want to pray for Kevin and his family because they're the leadership of that growth. And, and uh, you know, I just pray that, that you can work through Kevin each and every day and, and uh, pray for his godliness, that it would expand and grow. Um, thank you so much for the moisture and, and the cool weather and, and all the things that help our local ranchers, local farmers to, to continue to feed the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Man, uh, I, I I promise you, it's uh, what Ty talked about really spoke to my heart just because it, it is. It's the hardest thing in the world to, to accept that correction and to, uh, you know, the, the word that kept coming to me while Ty was talking was uh, iron sharpens iron. You know, and, and that Bible verse has been used by a lot of people to uh, to say, "Well, I, I'm going to correct you because I'm going to sharpen you." Man, it it is it is iron sharpening iron, and one of the hardest things uh, that that you can you can ever do if you want to get into advanced Christianity, when that happens, learn to say thank you. That's it, because our natural tendency, man, is is to bow up. And, and and I'm I'm sad to say that that I'm not real good at that. You know, last week I told you about the hard week that Ty and I had, and uh, he he offered some correction for me, and and uh, my sinful nature bowed its ugly head, and instead of saying thank you, you know, I got all defensive and everything. So, uh, but luckily, uh, God gave Ty a, a large dose of grace and mercy, and he just said, well basically said you know take it for what it's worth and you know i'm not going to say anything else and for a long time i was quiet 
And then I come back to him and I said, man, I'm sorry for the way I acted. That, that's not the man I want to be. And man, just right then, he's like, no problem, no problem. And uh, so it, it's not just about me ever uh, correcting Ty. We, we, we sharpen each other. And, and I, I, I want that for you and from you, okay? And, you know, uh, for and from are, are, uh, are just one letter apart, but it, it's, a, it's an important part. Uh, if this is your first time at Save the Cowboy, most of you look like pretty old school that's been here before, and it is an absolute pleasure. And uh, he's been through a lot of discomfort, and uh, and I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about how much my joy is has been filled with having Craig Carr here today, man. Just the the fact that he is here today after everything you went through, Craig, man. We have been praying for you, and uh, man, it, it it just it really did, man. It, it lifted my heart to have you here today. Uh, anyway, uh, you know. Me and Ty both talked about how hard it's been. It, it, it's kind of that that time of season, and and God was just, uh, you know, we all need God, but you know, it, it's easy to follow God whenever things are like rosy. You know, what is a UT Texas uh, chair doing here, here at the Long X Ranch? That's 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 uh, the devil just tries to worm his way in. It, it, <laughs> not really, Dan. Not really, man. I, I'm I'm uh I'm proud to have you here also, man. Uh anyway, so so I had a really hard week. Not not not, not just this past week, but but the week before, man. It just seemed like that old devil was just man, man, he had a he had a, a sort and stick out, you know, and I've and I've always said that 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 the devil will park himself right in front of that narrow gate. And he's gotten him a little sorting stick. And if you've never sorted cattle, come out here and, and help us sort cattle one time. And, you know, you can't stop a cow going through a gate. Okay? I, I don't care if you're on a horse or, or anything. You can do everything right, and a cow will still get past you. And, and I don't know how many times me and Ty uh, have a, a little sorting flag or something, and, you know, cow's trying to get through that's not supposed to get through. And, I mean, we can whacker and and it, and it doesn't hurt her i mean she's like you know whatever you know her her tail does more uh, more force trying to shoot flies away than we do with that little flag but that devil man he'll just he'll just stand in the narrow gate stand in that uh, on that trail uh that narrow trail that god tells us to be on and and we try to go through it and a lot of times we don't see him and he'll start whacking us with that sort and stick and, and the first thing we do is what most cows do Man, at the slightest hint of adversity or the slightest deal of pain, we just turn around and go the other way, and then we wonder why things are, are going so bad. But uh, anyway, I had I had one of those weeks the week before, and so Monday rolls around, and uh, a buddy of mine had said, hey, man, we're long overdue for a breakfast. Let's have breakfast. So I was like, yeah, you know, let, let, let's have breakfast. And, and for the first time in a long time, man, I, I, I jumped up out of bed, you know, at the butt crack of dawn, which is, you know, usually what time I wake up. And, boy, I showered and I got ready. And, man, I was in a good mood for one of the first times in, in, in what seemed like a long time. And so, anyway, I got in diesel pickup and uh, started driving down the road and going to have breakfast and, 
you know, my thoughts are on God, and I got some stuff to do that day, and going to start it off with a, with a good buddy of mine, and, and, I, and I get down the road, and a- everything is going good, and then I had the Monday of all Mondays, okay? I'm driving down the road, and, and, and I, and I want to say, I, I've been thinking about this. I want you to take this as an illustration, okay? Because what the devil's going to tempt you to do is to figure stuff out and figure out who it was and all of that. Man, throw all of that right right out the window right now. Who it was and, and, and everything, it, it doesn't matter, okay? Don't come ask me or Ty, you know, who it was, what happened afterwards or anything. Just let God speak to you through it because that's my prayer. So I'm driving down the road and I've got my... I got my speedometer, got my old crew set at 55 miles an hour, and everything's good, man. I'm looking forward to a to a nice breakfast, and, and I get to this spot in the road, and, and over the hill, uh, kind of coming up a little rise, I see a semi coming, and, and it's, a, it's a worn Caterpillar semi truck, and it's got this big bulldozer or, or tractor or something, I don't even remember, it's coming, and so that there wasn't much of a shoulder. And right where I'm going to meet this semi is is, is a drop off on the right hand side. And so I'm going along, and I'm kind of paying attention to this semi, and and I scooted over, you know, just a little bit. Couldn't scoot over too far in a big pickup. And all of a sudden, just just from about me to the to the camera right there, you know, we're we're talking about 50 feet or something at 55 miles an hour, and I'm just cruising, life is good, it's a beautiful morning, up out of this steep bar ditch, or what, what do you call them, barrel, barrel pit, uh, whatever you call it, off the side of the road, between the road and the fence, comes about a four or 500 pound yearling, right up out of the road, and I've got two choices, actually I had three choices, I had three choices, I could have a head-on collision with a semi, I could roll my truck down the uh, steep embankment, possibly eat both of those, probably kill myself, or I could hit a cow. And so I, you know, just thank God he was with me. And I just mashed that, that brake pedal through the bottom of the floor. I was like Fred Flintstone, man. I had both feet just, it went through the floorboard all the way. If I would have thought, I'd have mashed the emergency brake as well. But you know these analog brakes, you know, they don't they don't lock them up like they used to. They just slow you down. And so, anyway, for a split second, I had three decisions. Go left and die, go right and die, or go straight. And I probably hit that 400-pound calf at about 53 miles an hour. Just whack! And, I mean, that that, that poor animal, she... He or she, I don't know what it was. It slid about 15 feet, and it was dead before it hit the ground with that big grill guard that I've got on. And anyway, I, I pulled off the side of the road, and 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 what amazed me is just how calm I was inside. But just because I was calm doesn't mean that my heart wasn't breaking. And so, anyway, the, the trucker had seen what had happened, and, and, and what happened is the yearling came up because the cows were on the other side of the road, on the left-hand side of the road, and it came from the right trying to make it back to its mama. These were big old calves that were, were still on their moms. You'd have had to head and heal it. There's no way you could drag it. And, anyway, 
I smacked it, and the and the the trucker stopped, and another guy had seen what happened, and he stopped, and, and I really loved what they did. They they come up to me, and the first thing they said is, "Buddy, are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm I'm fine. Besides, my heart is breaking." And so anyway, we uh, we took this uh, this big calf, this 400 pound, and and we drug it off the side of the road because you know it was kind of right over a hill, and we didn't want somebody else to uh hit it or anything and you know something that just kept overplaying in my in my mind over and over and over as a lot of you know whenever i was growing up until i was about a junior in high school my dad was the elected sheriff of my hometown or you know home county and uh he had always told me he said look man he said you have no idea how many fatality wrecks i have to go out and pull dead people out of out of uh, out of vehicles because they tried to swerve to miss a dog or to miss a cat or or to miss a well hello Willie Willie's come to check everything out uh, <laughs> he's liable to start trying to jump up here but anyway my dad told me he said man don't ever swerve we can replace cars. I mean, you know, it, it'll break your heart to, to have to hit an animal or something. But whatever you do, son, he told me that from the time I was 15 years old and started to drive. He said, man, don't ever, ever, ever swerve. And so that, that just kind of kept replaying in my mind. Don't ever swerve. And so so whenever I got home, man. I got in the good book because that had kind of reminded me of a verse that I had heard before, and I wasn't quite sure where it was. And it took me to Proverbs chapter 4, and that's where we'll be. Proverbs chapter 4, starting in verse 27, which is the last verse of Proverbs chapter 4. Man, Solomon wrote this. And, and you have to understand, man, Solomon was two things that, that none of us will ever be, Okay. Solomon was two things that none of us will ever be. Number one, he was the richest man to ever live. The richest man to ever live, and he was also the wisest. And, they, and, and those two qualities come from one place. Because God told Solomon whenever he was young and he was fixing to become the king after his daddy David, he said, hey, he said, I'm going to give you anything you want. I'm going to give you whatever you want. You say what you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon sat there, and I, I can see him pondering. And, and my, my question to you is, if God was going to give you anything that you want, you can have anything, what would it be? And you know what Solomon's answer was? Solomon's answer was, will you give me wisdom? Wisdom to rule. And God was so impressed. The Bible says that God was so impressed by his answer. He said, you know what? I'm going to give you wisdom. But because you asked for wisdom instead of all the other things that I gave you that, that you could have had, he said, I'm going to give you everything else. Where David wanted to build uh, God's temple, man, uh, God gave Solomon the finances and the resources and the wisdom and the right people to uh to be able to build god's house and so solomon writes proverbs and he says man listen to me son keep these words close to your heart and at the very end of seven things the seventh thing that that uh 
God tells, or Solomon tells his boys and tells us, as he says in verse 427, he says, do not turn to the right or to the left. Don't swerve. Whatever you do, don't swerve. And isn't that an illustration of what we all go through a lot of times is that, man, we're, we're driving down the road of life and all of a sudden something presents itself and, and, and we, we think that just because there's something in our way that, there, that there's some adversity in the way that, that we should go to the right or the left. But God says, man, you just keep it between the lines. Don't swerve. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Just keep on going. And, and, and the thing about that is sometimes when we keep going, sometimes that answer isn't good either. But God says, man, man, don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Don't swerve. Today, we're going to talk about seven steps to becoming steadfast through adversity, finding the right path through difficult situations in life. Because I, I, I'm willing to bet that, you know, uh, you know, y'all could come up here, man, and if we was absolutely honest, and I said for everybody that's having a hard time in their life right now, that's going through some difficult situations, whatever that case may be, man, come on up here. And, 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 and I, the only person I'd question is the person that sat there and said, man, I ain't got a single problem in my life because that's not true. I know we're all going through it. So, so I, I, I hit this yearling and, and, and the, the poor thing was, was dead on impact because I've kind of got a Mad Max beyond Thunderdome grill guard. And, uh, anyway, my truck wasn't hurt. I wasn't hurt. Nobody else was hurt, but, but the poor, the poor calf was, was dead. And so anyway, I, I, I called the I called the sheriff's department and you know I reported it. You know, it was somebody's property that that, that had been killed. And um a, as I'm talking to the sheriff's department, uh the other two guys that were there, a guy starts walking over from a house that's close by and one of them leaned over and he said, That's the landowner and I said, Well, are these his cattle? And he said, No, he just leases it out. And I was like, oh, man, that's, I, I don't know if that's better or worse. And so, anyway, I'm talking to the sheriff's department, and, and she's, the dispatcher's asking me a bunch of questions. Is anybody hurt? No. Is there any vehicle damage? No, ma'am, there's not. She said, do you know whose cattle they are? I said, I said no, ma'am, but the landowner's standing here now. And she said, well, does he know who the cattle belong to? And I said, well, I reckon he does if he's got it leased out. And, I mean, he, he's, he's standing from here to the speaker from me. He, he hears what I'm saying. And so she goes, well, ask him if he knows who the cattle belong to. And so I take a deep breath, and I pull the phone away from my ear, and I said, sir, I'm, I'm on the phone with the dispatch, and uh, she's wanting to know if you know who, who the cattle belong to. Because of this setting, I am not going to tell you what he responded with, but it, it, was, it was filled with things that I don't like to repeat, and, uh, and there, there was a lot of, of, of things that, that he alluded to that I wasn't going to repeat to the lady on the phone, but after he got done with his uh, fanciful response, I put the phone back up to my ear and I said, yes, ma'am. He says he knows who it is. And so anyway, we, we, we got off the, we, you know, she said, well, I got some deputies on the way. And I said, yes, ma'am. Well, during this time, after they heard his response, them other two fellas was like, all right, glad nobody's hurt. And, and they shagged. So it's just me and him left. Right. 
And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, <laughs> this is not the day that uh, th- this is not the way I wanted to start my Monday. I looked at him after we hung up, and I said, sir, I'm real sorry. And I, and I told him exactly what happened. And, and, and what happened next was, uh, you know, he, he, tried to, he tried to blame me. He accused me of driving, you know, 90 miles an hour and, and, and all of this stuff. And I said, and I looked at him and I said, sir, I'm the pastor of the Cowboy Church that meets at the fairgrounds in Kiowa. And I said, I just want you to know that this breaks my heart. I said, we got 40 of them right down the road. And I said, but thank goodness that, that the truck isn't, isn't hurt. You know, that would just add insult to the already injurious, is that a word, injurious uh, situation that's going on. And, uh, but but I, I, I didn't listen to his accusations, and I didn't listen to the blame, even though it broke my heart, and I, and I understood that he was upset, but I wasn't going to hear it. And in Psalms, or Psalms, in Proverbs chapter 4, at the very end of chapter 4, Paul said, or uh, Solomon says, uh, do not turn to the right or to the left. Don't swerve. And sometimes even when you're in the right, other people won't see it that way. But in four, in chapter 4, verse 20 of Proverbs, even though we, we started out at the very bottom of do not swerve to the right or to the left, uh, Solomon goes back up and he tells us how we can do certain things, six things to keep us on the right path. And in verse 20, Solomon says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. He says, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. See, the ears are the gateway to the mind. And, 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 I, and I think that, that, that everybody's seen the old adage or, or, or thing about you got the devil on one side talking to you and you got the, uh, the Lord on the other side talking to you. And I mean, it's, it's just a constant battle. But we got to be careful which one we listen to. And, and a lot of people say, well, I don't know. And see, one of the devil's uh, favorite deals is he's the, he's the father of lies. And the devil can sound just like God, but I'm going to tell you how to be able to tell the difference in those two voices that are constantly talking to us. How do we know which one is right? Which one do we turn our ears to? Which one do we pay attention to what they say? See, the devil will always speak in terms of condemnation. The devil was always going to condemn you. And, and, I, and I know that's kind of one of those, we don't use that word condemnation a lot in normal language. It's kind of in a biblical language. But what that means is the devil always tries to tear you down. He'll say stuff like, well, you can't do this, or you're not good enough, or if you would have only done this, or if you would have only done that. He'll tell you, man, you're a loser. You're never going to win. He'll say, this is your fault. And you're going to pay for it. See, that, that's the difference. That, that's what the devil speaks in is condemnation. And we got to have ears to pay attention to what's being said into our hearts. The devil speaks to us through condemnation, but God speaks to us through conviction. 
See, the devil always tries to tear us down, but God is always trying to lift us up. And what you listen to, which one of those things you listen to, man, like I said, man, your, your ears are, are a gateway to the mind. And if you let the devil's condemnation get into your mind, man, it bleeds through, throughout your whole body into what you do, into what you say, into what you see, your perspective on life. It affects your heart. It affects everything. And I think that that's why Solomon, that was the very first thing he said was, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. And his words weren't his words. They were the word of God. Don't listen to that condemnation. Listen to that conviction. Where the devil will say it's your fault, where the devil will say you can't do this, where the devil will say you, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, that you're going to pay for this. Man, God speaks in the complete opposite. Instead of trying to tear us down, the devil speaks in con condemnation that tears us down. But God speaks to us through conviction, which always lifts us up. God is constantly trying to build us up. He, instead of saying you can't do this, God's going to tell you, you can do this. He's going to say, you are good enough. You are worthy because of me and what I've done for you. You've already won. And he said, you're not going to have to pay for it because my son has already paid off all of your debts, even your mistakes. That's the difference in condemnation and conviction. We got to learn to listen because, I mean, seriously, man, that devil's going to be speaking in one ear and God's going to be speaking in the other. And which one you listen to is going to have a drastic impact on your path, along your walk, along your ride down that narrow trail. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. And what we listen to, as I've already said, starts affecting our whole body. And that's what uh, Solomon gets to in verse 22. He says, for my words are life to those who find them, to those who listen to them, and health. For my words are life to those who find them, and health to one's whole body. Man, what you listen to is going to affect everything about you. But too often, man, it's so easy to listen to that condemnation instead of hold on to that conviction. You know, the Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. We want one thing and do another and then wonder why we are constantly feeling like we're torn in two. That old devil, man, he's going to lie to you. He's going to try to tear you apart. And, and, and you know what? The, the devil don't mess with, with, with those that don't try to follow God, man. Why, why is he going to mess with those that ain't doing what God says? You know who he's after? He's after every single one of y'all. He's after me. He's after Ty. He's after our families. He's after you because he's going to try to divide you because you say you believe one thing, but yet you listen to the devil and you do another. Instead of continuing down that straight and narrow trail, man, we start looking around and we start going other ways. And it affects not just our minds, but it affects our bodies. And above all else, in verse 23, Solomon says, above all else, God, your heart. For everything you do flows from it. See, when, when we listen, it gets into our minds. And then when it through our minds, it affects our body. And if it affects our body, it's going to affect our heart. And, you know, I, I got to thinking uh, of, the, of the recurring themes in the Bible 
that that uh, that God talks about all the time, man. I, I think the 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 three main things that God always says is is, is to love Him and to love others. It, it's a it's a it's a, a a constant reminder to love, to love yourself, to love God, to love others. And then the second recurring theme is to not worry, do not fear. And the third recurring theme is always something about our hearts. Always something about our hearts. You know, uh, after I got to uh, the cafe, I'd called my buddy and said, hey, I'm going to be a little bit late. And told him what happened. He asked if I was okay. I said yes. And so, anyway, I was about 45 minutes late for my for my breakfast appointment. And, and as we're sitting there talking, man, my phone goes off and there's a text. And as if I didn't think that my day was going to get any worse, the devil said, watch this. See, I had a, I've got a cousin, man, and she, she was one of my favorites, most beautiful little girl you've ever seen. And she's had about a 15-year addiction to methamphetamines. And I got a text saying that Lori had had a stroke and she was brain dead and they were pulling the plug. Now, her heart was still beating. They had her on a ventilator, but there was no brain activity. And that's why our hearts are so important, because even when there's no activity in our brains, we're still alive if our heart's still beating. And that's the third recurrent theme of the Bible, is just how important our heart is. It what, it's what pumps through us. It reveals the true nature. And, 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 I, and, and I looked at four uh, of my favorite verses that deal with heart. In Matthew 5, 8, the Bible says, actually Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Solomon's saying, man, guard your heart. And Jesus is saying that's so important that blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. The second one is, is also from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Look, you're not supposed to figure it out. You're supposed to follow God. That's, that, that's, the, that's the thing that we're supposed to do, is not figure it out, but to trust in God. Lean not on your own understanding. We're supposed to follow, not figure out. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Once again, he's saying, don't go to the left, don't go to the right. Trust in God and acknowledge him with all your heart and do not lean in all understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, you know, we, we, we've heard what Solomon had to say about, about a heart. We've heard what Jesus has to say about, about our hearts. And then we, talk, we, we hear about what Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, has to say about our hearts. In 1 Timothy 1, 5, he says, the purposes of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. And finally, it's, not, it's definitely not the last deal that deals with heart in the Bible, but once again, it comes from our, the, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, what are you longing for? Are you longing from the, for the ways of this world? Or are you longing for a ride with God? Man, there, there's such a, a vast difference, man. You know, don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. Make way. 
make your path straight. So I'm so I'm standing there, and 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 as this guy, he's so upset that that after I tell him that my heart is broken, I'm so sorry, and and it was just an accident, it was nobody's fault, and and after his blame and accusation, and everything, he just walks off. He goes he goes back to his house, and I'm just left all by myself, just standing there. And shoot, I don't I don't even know what to do, man. I'm I'm just standing there. People are passing by, looking at me, so. I walk back over to my truck and and I get in, and here in a second, here comes two sheriff's department deputies, and they pull up. And one of them pulls a U-turn around, parks behind me with his lights on, and the other guy pulls up on the other side and turns his lights on, and and we get out and we talk. And the sergeant asked me what happened, so I you know I tell him you know what happened and. I was still remaining calm, and, and as they were pulling up, this guy comes back out of his house, and 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 he walks over there, and and he's on the phone. And so anyway, the sergeant looks up and he says, "Is that the cattle owner?" And I said, "No, sir." I said, "He he knows who owns the cattle, but it's his land." He said, "All right." And about that time, you know, after a little bit more talking, the the guy gets to the fence, and uh, I walk over there, and he said, "So he's the landowner?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And the cop looks up and he says, sir, are you the landowner? And the guy goes, Bzzz. and the sergeant real nice says, I'm sorry. And the guy said, I said, yes, listen to me. And I was like, oh, and I was like, you know, all of a sudden I'd forgotten something in my truck. And I was like, I'll be right over here. So I walked back over to my truck and, and the sergeant looks at the other deputy. He said, go ahead and get his license and registration and insurance and, you know, all of that stuff. So I walk over there and I hand it to the officer and he's writing down all the information. And, and here in a second, the sergeant walks back over and we're standing at the front of my truck. And the sergeant looks at me and he says, was that guy being a jerk to you? And I sat there and I wasn't quite sure what to say. And I took a deep breath and I looked at him. I looked at the sergeant and I said, sergeant, I believe that he is in a highly agitated state of mind. And that's all I said. That's all I said. Because the next thing that Solomon talks about in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24 is, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. You know what? It would have been so easy when that guy blamed me and accused me to, to shoot back and, 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 and match his ferocity. But man, he was just upset. Even though he was directing it at me, Man, it was a result of something that was going on inside him. It had nothing to do with me. And I was given every opportunity to just act just the way he is. But God told us to be above that, to, to not let anything uh, come out of our mouths that doesn't uh, glorify God. I could have said, yeah, he's being a jerk, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't. I just said, well, you know, he's, he's pretty upset. He's pretty upset. And and I understood. I mean, I, I was upset. We were upset for, for some of the same reasons, but, but different reasons at that. Over and over and over, God tells us to watch what we say because words have the power to encourage or condemn for others and yourself. You know, one of the scariest Bible verses, and, and the longer y'all come to save the cowboy, man, I know it's hard to memorize Bible verses, but y'all are going to have this one memorized because I talk about it all the time, where where Jesus says, out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. 
if your words were made flesh, what would that person look like? Because, see, the word of God was made flesh, and it was perfect, and his name was Jesus. We got to watch what we say. Just because somebody's treating us or, or in a highly agitated state of mind and is saying things just because they're so upset, man, that does not give us, it does not give a Christian cowboy or cowgirl the right to match that. We are called to be above that, not to be above them, but to be above that, to watch what we say, to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of God. And the next thing that Solomon tells us in verse 25 is he says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Fix your gaze on who you want to be. And we don't, we don't need to get distracted. And I mean, it, it's so easy to see what's right in front of us and want to avoid that by swerving to the left or the right. But God tells us over and over and over that we're just supposed to keep going. And sometimes even when we keep going, that doesn't mean it's going to make it any more easy. But it's better than the alternative. It's better than hitting a semi. It's better than, 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 than Ty having to stand up here and say, hey, man, you know, uh, I, I hate to tell you all this, but, you know, Kevin passed away from a, from a, uh, from a vehicle wreck when he was trying to avoid a cow to, to orphan four kids to be without a husband. Man, we've got to keep going straight because this is life and death consequences. Maybe not in the physical sense in every situation, the situation that you're going through, but it is a life and death. We are supposed to keep on keeping on. We shouldn't let our ears hear things that are going to affect our mind, that which in which in turn starts affecting our body, which affects our heart, which starts affecting our mouths. And another way directly into our mind is, is what we set our eyes on. And you know what? In that situation, I set my eyes directly. And I think, if I remember right, there was about a millisecond prayer for that cow and a trust in God. You know, it, it's, it's so easy to let our eyes get distracted we get distracted by the, by, yeah, I'm, I'm going to show y'all's age here, if you understand this, uh, of the blue light specials. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, those that are laughing, they know what I'm talking about, about the blue light specials. It's easy to get distracted by something that's, that's all shiny and says, hey, you know, get off that path and come over here. But, you know, it, it's not just the blue light specials, but how about the neon signs of empty promises? Man, you know, flashing neon signs, just come over here and all your problems will go away. Well, they will for a night. And then the next day, man, you're just, it's going to be just that much worse. It's like taking one step forward and then taking two steps back. And then we wonder why, why, our, why our hearts are in the condition that they're in because we just got to keep going. And finally, the last thing that Solomon talks about in Proverbs chapter 4 that we haven't already mentioned is, he says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. And that's another word that we don't use in everyday life is the word steadfast. But what a powerful, powerful word that we can hold in our hearts, that we can use it to guard our ears and to guard our eyes and to guard our hearts and to guard our, our, our bodies and to guide our feet 
Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Well, anytime there's a word that I'm not exactly sure what it means, man, I go look it up. And here's the definition of steadfast. Resolute or dutifully firm and unwavering. Does that describe your walk with God? Because to walk, you've got to have feet, okay? Literally or, or spiritually, are you steadfast in your walk with God? Or do you just go in the first little obstacle you come to, man, we're going to go a different direction, man. Sometimes the hardest way is forward, but we must be steadfast in all our ways. You're going to have interactions with people today. People are going to say things that you don't like to hear. People are going to do things that, that, that affect you. But we must be steadfast in all we do. We must be steadfast in all our ways, which means resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering, not swerving to the left or the right. I'm going to challenge each and every one of you. I don't care if you're 8. I don't care if you're 80. Make up your mind today. You know, that famous Bible verse that says, As for me and the Lord... Or as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Who do you serve? Who do you focus your eyes on? Who do you focus your mind on? What do you allow yourself to hear? What do you allow yourself to see? What is the condition of your body? What is the condition of your heart? What is the path that your feet take? Make up your mind to do these seven things that the wisest man that ever lived, and he was only wise because of the wisdom that came from God, not from himself. It is the word of the Lord, and it's the message for me today. It's the message for Ty today. It's the message for you today is to don't swerve to the left or the right, but just keep on keeping on, to listen to the promises of God instead of the accusations of the world, to be whole in mind, body, and spirit, to guard your heart, to keep control of your mouth, of what you say to others, but also what you allow yourself to say to you, to fix your gaze directly before you, and to be steadfast in every one of your ways. The way through is straight through and never giving up. That is being steadfast. It's time that we all became resolute, dutifully firm, and unwavering, unwavering in our ride with God. Let's go to God in prayer. God, the, the winds have been blowing many of us around like leaves in a, in a hurricane. When adversity comes against us, we want to quit and hide. We do not need to seek protection in the world, but seek our refuge in you. You are our shelter, our strength, and our victory that is guaranteed. Build within us a fire that cannot be put out so that we can claim the prize in heaven that is reserved for those that are steadfast, resolute, dutifully firm, and unwavering in their devotion and our devotion solely unto you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.